Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Don't forget to follow us on Snapchat at Cruise Radio. Also, check out our Cruise Radio News Facebook group. Just type in Cruise Radio News on Facebook. We'd love to have you for some cruise conversation. Going to try things a a little bit different this month. Um, So we have two reviews of Carnival Magic. Of course, Carnival Cruise Lines, Carnival Magic just came to Florida from Galveston, Texas. The first one is from Duncan. And then in a couple weeks, we'll get Chris Owens' review uh, to kind of give you a good taste of what to expect aboard Carnival Magic. Stuart Chiron, the cruise guy, is out of pocket again this week. So he's either traveling the world or just ignoring me. I'm not really sure yet. Uh, so Sherry Kennedy is filling in for him again. And Sherry's on the line right now. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. How are you doing? Good. Now, uh, first off, I got to say, thanks again for coming back and doing cruise news with me uh, on such short notice. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's fun. I like it. Absolutely. Now, uh, jumping right to it, Carnival Cruise Line is starting staggered embarkation in, in two more ports. Now, for the folks who don't know what staggered embarkation is, uh, give us a little background on that and then tell us the new ports. Sure. Well, in order to try to simplify and get rid of that last minute crunch when you know you get to the terminal and there's 4,000 people there, Carnival Uh, smartly started rolling this out in 2015 to Galveston and Honolulu, Miami, and other ports. And now they're going to roll it out to Charleston, South Carolina, and Baltimore, Maryland. So what happens is you sign up for your cruise, uh, do your online paperwork, and you uh, you do it in 30-minute increments. So say you want to show up between 11 and 11.30, 11.30 to 12. It works like that? It it does. You have up until 3 o'clock. You you have to be uh, there no later than one hour before departure time. So guests get to choose the time. And, you know, it's kind of nice. It gives you a little bit of flexibility. But, you know, there are a couple restrictions. (laughs) The big one would be don't arrive too early because they will not let you sneak in or get past the rest of the people that have queued up on their allotted time. So if you get there too early, too bad. You will be denied boarding. I I had some friends who got there early, and sure enough, they said, come back at your scheduled time. They had to wait in the parking garage for an hour. I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to be them, but but there's a reason for it, and I think it's a smart idea. Well, I mean, you look at like Carnival Breeze. You have 3,600 people trying to get on the ship at one time. I can see totally why that would work, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, other cruise lines have tried uh, staggered embarkation time, but everybody still runs in and tries to get on, you know, three hours before their scheduled time. And I think this is the first uh, instance I've ever heard of where people are actually being told, nope, you're too early, go wait. And, you know, you have to do that. Yep. Well, good for the cruise line for sticking to their guns with that. Uh, moving on here. Norwegian Cruise Line, this ha- they had a lot of people up in arms over the past week. Yeah. They, they changed their carry-on beverage policy. What kind of changes did we see? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I was reading all the news briefs on that, and the changes, they're changes, but it sounds like it's just really more official now. Now you cannot bring water on board. But, you know, people were trying to do that forever, and, and they still can bring wine. But the the, um, the caveat is, because water is crucial, obviously, mm-hmm. and a lot of people ha- have medical equipment that they need to filter water through or, yeah. 
or infant formula. So you have to be able to bring some kind of water. So they will allow factory sealed, bottled, either distilled or purified water can come on board. But anything else, I mean, uh, you know, if you're drinking your water while you're waiting in line to get to security and you get to security with a half a bottle, it's gone. They won't let you bring it through. Just your own opinion. Is this security or onboard revenue? It's, I think it's a combination yeah. of both. And I think it's a combination of facilitating the boarding process also mm-hmm. instead of having to be the line backed up because everyone's got to, you know, they got to check the bottles and make sure that's closed and everything else. So it's, it's probably all three reasons. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's Norwegian. So, um, you know, you're going to spend a little bit more for the extras. Yep. We like to call that nickel and diming here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah>, think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, moving on. Uh, so last week, we talked about Norwegian Breakaway, uh, uh, airplane buzzing it off the coast of Bermuda, making the news again, but this time Norwegian Breakaway setting a record in a Canadian port. Uh, what record did that set? It set a passenger count, all-time high record for the port of Halifax. When the Norwegian Breakaway arrived and all 4,000 passengers Passengers disembarked. This was uh, last Wednesday. Uh, it did set a record for all time amount of people off of one particular ship. And, and now keep in mind, the grandeur of the seas was also there on the same day. So that made this little port have a total of 7,000 passengers descending <laughs> at once. So it really was a big record breaking day for them in, in every which way. The interesting part is, you know, with all those people going ashore, the Port Authority excuse me, the Port Authority figure there would be about $100 million in economic benefit wow. for, for the community. That's huge. Yeah. 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 And uh, moving through 2016, they expect a total of 240,000 passengers arriving on 135 ships into the port of Halifax, Nova Scotia. So it's a big year for, uh, for Halifax and Nova Scotia. You know, I love it there for two reasons. One, I love Halifax because it doesn't matter when you go or what time of year you go. It's always a nice break from the summertime. It is. And also the leaves up there uh, around September, October. Really, you, you've done a couple of those sailings, haven't you? Oh, sure I yeah. have. And, and also you can walk from the cruise port uh, to the, the Turning Falls. Um, which is a kind of a, you can follow paths. Halifax is a, such a user-friendly port that it's it's just really nice to go there. And like you said, fall is beautiful. Summer is great because they have a zip line. You did a zip line there once, I did. didn't that you? Was, that was really cool. I did that. <laughs> I went to uh, Peggy's Cove one time, and I went yeah. to the Titanic uh, graveyard uh, and museum type thing, which is also uh, kind of cool as well. Switching gears here now, I want to talk about this next news story uh, involving the Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas and the eight-year-old boy who nearly drowned. Um, I don't want to speculate on this. I just want you to give us the facts. Um, of course, as of recording this, uh, the boy is still in life-threatening condition. In fact, uh, I think I pretty much said everything about it, didn't I? Yeah, it, you did pretty much just sum it all up. Um, the eight-year-old boy was found unconscious in the pool and the anthem of the sea shortly after it left from Bayonne, New Jersey, the other day on June 30th. Somewhere around 8 p.m., it was he was noticed, and the ship called their medical team to high alert, and they performed CPR. They were able to establish a pulse. Um, the boy was then, uh, the ship returned to Bayonne, and he was taken to Staten Island Hospital, where, as you just said, he's still in very critical condition. Yes, yeah, so our thoughts and prayers definitely uh, going out to that family and that, that little boy there as well. Um, 
last but not least, Sherry, MSC has a new ship coming out, and I'll be honest with you. I know nothing about the new ship. I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it, so I'm going to let you take the reins here. <laughs> okay, the new ship, which uh, is still under construction, is the Meraviglia, mm-hmm. and in Italian that means wonder, and apparently MSC Cruises is making this their most innovative ship ever, and it's also called a Vista-class ship, interestingly enough. Now, this new ship, um, when it finally does sail, which will be, the first one will be June 4th of 2017, uh, she'll go from uh, Le Havre, France, where people can go to Paris before, all the way to Genoa. Um, It's going to be doing seven-night Mediterranean cruises. But the interesting thing about this, uh, they're saying 4,500 passengers on the ship. Wow. If, if you add the third and fourth per cabin, you will have somewhere close to 5,700 passengers that is capable of carrying, which is, it's, it's a big ship. This is going to be something else. And, and they're doing all sorts of uh, technical innovations. They're adding what's called near field communications. And, you know, part of it is similar to what Royal Caribbean has with the wristbands, opening doors and things. But you know, in the same way guests will be able to make their onboard payments, spa reservations, um, access their staterooms, you know, just swipe it and the door will open. And they can also geolocate their kids and their traveling companions. So that's kind of cool. That's, yeah. you know, and that's the, that's the wave. You know, Disney World down here in Orlando has had that for a while with these new wristbands. So, you know, this is the wave. It's going to happen. I guess we'll have to just make sure we save our cruise cards. Because they're going to be antique someday. Exactly. (laughs) Is this ship coming to the Caribbean at all, or is it going to stay in Europe? So far, all I can find is up until April of 2018, and it's going to be doing seven-night Europe cruises, Mediterranean. Talking with Sherry Kennedy. You can find her at cruisemaven.com. Thanks for being on the show, Sherry. Have a great weekend. This is Cruise Radio. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. We always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Duncan just returned from a seven-night Western Caribbean sailing aboard Carnival Magic, a ship fairly new to Florida, and he's on the line this evening. Hello, Duncan. 
Hey, Doug, how are you doing tonight? Good, my friend. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, we're going to talk all about Carnival Magic in just a couple of minutes, but before we get there, let's take a step back and uh, give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail Carnival Magic out of Port Canaveral? Well, we had a group of about 12 of us going, and that was the ship that our friend who they are frequent Carnival sailors, so they found that cruise for us on their last cruise when they went out in de- December before. Very nice. Now, you live in Orlando, so getting to the cruise pier was pretty easy for you, correct? Pretty much. It was not even maybe a 45-minute drive from Orlando to Port Canaveral. Nice. Now, just curious, uh, because I live in Florida as well, two hours from Cape Canaveral. Do you normally park at the pier, or what do you do there? We were, we some of us parked at the pier, but uh, we were taken by a, a family friend, to, and they dropped us off and picked us up when we uh, disembarked. Nice, nice. Can't beat that. Uh, okay, so you got to uh, Port Canaveral and to the cruise pier itself. How was uh, embarkation for you down there in Port Canaveral? The embarkation was was great. We had we got there about eleven o'clock. They already had the doors open. Showed our identification and our boarding passes and were checked in. They had all the kiosks open. I'd say they had about 10 or 12 kiosks open. They were just moving the line very quickly. And we got right on the ship. Nice. How long would you say it took you from curb to gangway? I would say maybe 20 minutes. Okay. That's not bad at all. Not at all. Yeah, so you make your way on board Carnival Magic. She's brand new to Florida. You were like on the second or third sailing uh, since she came to Florida. Uh, what were your first impressions of her? We liked it. I mean, uh, like I've heard from other reviews, the, the atrium is beautiful. I mean, you go in and it just opens right up. You can head, They've got the staff there to get you where you need to go if you need to stop by the desk for anything. But they're trying to get, because the rooms weren't quite ready, they had everybody go up to Deck 10 to, to grab some lunch and such. Nice. Now, once you finally got into your stateroom, like 1.30 or so, what kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it? I had an inside cabin. It was perfect for a a single guy, a bed, little desk, and um, had room to put my bag underneath the bed if you need to, plenty of of closet space. What uh, what deck were you on? I was on deck two. Okay. That's what the, they call that main deck? I was right below the dining room. Okay. Was 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 fine because... I didn't even hear anything. Okay, yeah, I was asking if there was any noise issues, but that was, I guess, no noise issues. Not at all. Not not at all. I mean, it was, you had, you went up to deck three. That was the first uh, for the Southern Lights um, entrance. And then we were on, our table was on deck four on the second level of, Mm -hmm. of the restaurant. Cool. Let's talk about dining aboard Carnival Magic. Uh, some new venues like Guy Fieri's Barbecue Joint outside. Also, it has the Guy's Burger Joint as well on the inside by the pool. And, of course, the – I forgot what else. The ship has – I haven't been on it in so long. So you, really, have, you have Blue Water Canteen on the right. Okay. Guy's is on the left-hand side before you enter into the Lido main buffet area. So those are your two main uh, outside restaurants. Then you have, on the sea days, they have the Guy's Barbecue, which is excellent. But you have to realize, it's because they've got they've only have it open from noon to 2.30, it goes really quickly, and it's pretty much a one-path through. Did you get in line early for but, it? 
you should get in line early for it. They they tried open they they opened up about eleven forty five, but they tried to shoot for tried to shoot for noon. Gotcha. Yeah, but the food, I mean, the brisket, the the ribs, the sausage, excellent. Nice. What were your thoughts of the Lido Deck buffet area and the food and uh, served in there? The food, I mean, I, my friend and I would have uh, breakfast there in the morning. So you have the omelet bar. You've got the – they've got a good mix of food for every taste. You can have fruit salad up to, you know, scrambled eggs and sausage and grits, whatever you'd like. Nice. And uh, as far as the dining room, what time dining did you have for the main dining room? We had the early dining at 6 o'clock. Okay. Got right. I mean, they opened the doors right at 6. We got right to our table. We had a long, long table right at the far end of the ship. We looked out uh, onto the water, had a big, huge bay window, so we could all look out and see where we've been. And we saw a couple of ships pass while we were while we were eating dinner. God, you got to love that. What was your favorite meal served in the main dining room? My favorite meal was they had the on the formal night they had the lobster and the uh, filet, filet mignon. Ah. Nice. Now, did you only do one lobster, or did you do more than one? I just had one lobster. Gotcha. I, they, they, they offered me. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> nice. So uh, let's see. We hit the Lido Deck area. We hit the main dining room. Uh, you hit the. Did you go to Guy's Burger Joint or to Blue Iguana Cantina? I did hit both. Um, Guy's is, is. I mean, they're they they get the, they got it down. They've got the burgers going. You can either get just a straight up where you. I uh, get the cheeseburger and turn around, and the topping bar is right there if you want to pick up your way. Or they have, I had the pig patty, which is excellent. <laughs> you know, they, and they and then they dress it the uh, the way that it, which is the lettuce, tomato, onions, and the and the bacon. Nothing like a three thousand calorie hamburger, huh? <laughs> I know. Right? I, I I saw that as a uh, on one of the new uh, news articles. I'm like, well, I only had two, but I walked him off. <laughs> yeah, those things, I, I'm addicted to those things. I absolutely love them. So let's switch gears here and talk about entertainment aboard Carnival Magic. Uh, what did you think of it? We enjoyed it. We The group we were with, we, we all worked in the entertainment field, so we've had, we have friends who are also musicians. So the one, sh- the one show you have to see on, on Magic is Groove Line. It is a 70s tribute show. With the live band, the singers were excellent. The band just just rocked it, and also the band is called Fifty Shades of Groove. <laughs> they also perform on the Ocean Plaza every other night, and full bands, horns, but it's not overbearing. You can still walk through, have a good conversation. Nice. Did they have uh, Epic Rock on on your ship? No epic rock. No, we uh, had groove, groove, groove line, and then destination unknown, which is uh, a magician illusionist by the name of Jason Byrne. Gotcha. Did you catch any of the comedy shows? Oh yes, we did. We had we saw um, John McDowell and a gentleman named Tim Young, and they were they were excellent. I mean, they have the two. They have two family shows, and then. They shoo everybody out because they they are going to have the adult shows about ten o'clock. Let me ask you, how was the the seating and the crowds for your comedy show? Because the past couple carnival ships I've been on, we were packed in there, and sometimes there was no seating. 
you got to get there early, or, you know, because if you want any, I mean, they fill the place, but I mean, we were on kind of an earlier cruise in the year, so it didn't feel, it wasn't like overly packed, but I'm sure during the summertime, if you want to see any comedy shows, it is a small venue, so get there as, as early as you can. And, and they are good about once one show ends, they shoo everybody out, and you have to get back in line if you want to come back. Come back in. I'm trying to think. Is it is is it the Limelight Theater on Carnival Magic where they do the comedy shows? Spotlight Theater. Spotlight Theater. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of a. It's not a. It's not too big of a venue, is it? No, because you've got the steakhouse right there. Right. Yeah. So they've taken up a little bit of room, which is fine. It's a. It, it's a nice, intimate venue. You hear the comedian just fine. The sound system's great in there. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's. You have to realize it's going to be a small venue, so if you want to see the comedy shows, get there as as you know. They can they start right on right on time. They don't they don't lock the doors, but you may be standing. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, let's talk about sea days aboard Carnival Magic because one thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves at sea as far as passenger flow, both inside and outside the ship. So, how were the sea days in your experience? Both sea days are excellent. I mean, like I said, it was a, an earlier cruise, so it was busy, but you never felt like you were squished, mm-hmm. you know, in any places. And deck seating, they had, they still had seats available. I mean, even the, you know, there weren't the, the seat hogs. I mean, you didn't see that because they had the, on Melito, you had, I'd say, 10 or 12 extra seats there and nobody mm-hmm. was using. Deck five, there was, I mean, we, they had seat, uh, seats all the way around that were still available. So it sounds like there was plenty of room and nobody fighting for deck chairs or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't see it. I mean, yeah. like I said, there was, there was, like I said, they had, there were people on each of the decks, but there were still, there were still seats to sit down. It wasn't like packed. Gotcha. All right. Well, very nice there. Now, this was a seven-night Western Caribbean sailing. So what ports did you hit over there? You leave uh, Port Canaveral, you have a sea day, mm-hmm. which was nice. It was on Mother's Day, and all the the ladies in our group received uh, carnations and such. And then we went to Cozumel and to Belize and to Mahogany Bay, and then Costa Maya. Okay, so out of those ports, which one was your favorite? Our favorite was Mahogany Bay. That's where we all did our, our uh, historical excursion together, went on the one that does not go out to the water. It goes to the small uh, the small beach area. Mm-hmm. They Lunch is included. They have a great, great beach if you want to just lie down at the beach. The snorkeling, we saw stingrays. We saw a good mix of fish. It is a little rocky, so uh, where you're, if you have any um, sea shoes or water shoes, you should have them with you. Did you get to do the, uh, the flying magical beach chairs over there? We saw it while we were going to our um, tender to go to the to the ship. I mean, that that was people were staying right in a Mahogany Bay and going directly to the <laughs> flying the beach here, which going it wasn't like packed out, but I mean they were constantly getting people to the beach, getting people to the beach. <laughs> when we got back, they have a um, fat Tuesdays right there, so we grabbed some water before we got on the ship. 
Nice. So uh, you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation for you on Carnival Magic? It was a little busy. They were calling uh, the deck numbers, and then, then our cruise director, Dr. E, got on. He said, hey, guys, we have to slow down for a second. And they had um, – it just got a little bit backed up at um, – inside the port but once and then then they kind of gave an all call to get everybody off so that got a little jammed up as you were leaving the ship but once you got into the port they had they had enough crew to get everybody downstairs grab your bags and then get through uh customs and i'd say that took maybe 30 minutes okay yeah that's not bad uh do you have any first time tips to offer people sailing carnival magic just uh, enjoy it. I mean, the staff is, I mean, they go out of their way to make me feel comfortable and they'll almost bend over backwards and just, just enjoy your time. Definitely, if you do any excursions, uh, Mahogany Bay, from what I noticed, had most everything anybody could, if you like snorkeling, if you're a scuba diver, if you want to go off-roading, they had everything pretty much that one, one area. Looking back, what was your biggest highlight of this cruise? Highlight of the cruise, I I think just being, you know, like I said, it was a group, a group of great friends, and we just enjoyed. Um, the one thing we all like to do was listening to the Fifty Shades of Groove because these are professional musicians who, you know, I know this is, you know, maybe their starting job, but you can tell that whatever they do afterwards, they're going to go ver- go far in their careers. Awesome. And finally, what are your final thoughts of Carnival Magic? Uh, definitely, you know, it, it's a seven-night, you know, great seven-night cruise. They also do, they switch back and forth between a Western and an Eastern. And like I said, Port Canaveral being so convenient, if you have a chance, def- I would definitely go on this, this cruise again. We've been talking with Duncan. He just returned from a seven-night sailing aboard Carnival Magic, a Western Caribbean sailing. Duncan, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your experience with us. Thanks a lot for having me. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. If you have a question about shore excursions, it doesn't matter where in the world you're going, feel free to shoot me an email, doug at cruiseradio.net. We'll get the questions answered for you. Either I'll answer it or like we're doing today, Shelly from CruisingExcursions.com is on the line to field some questions. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Doug. Hi there. Jumping right to the questions from Carrie. I will be on Allure of the Seas at the end of October. Two of the ports are St. Thomas and St. Martin, neither of which I've been to. What are your favorite things to do and see at these stops and any recommendations? Thanks in advance. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're two fantastic destinations on a Caribbean itinerary. St. Thomas, for example, one of the most unforgettable sort of excursions to do there would be what we describe as the Essential Collection Island Tour. Despite it being a very short tour, as it's only two hours long, it incorporates all of the main highlights that you would want to see and allow you some sort of time in the afternoon to spend as a family or going shopping or whatever it is that you want to do. So it ticks both boxes, still able to allow you to go and see everything that you want to do, but also some free time in the afternoon so it's not too exhausting. It's quite a fun tour, so it includes a lot of music and lots of entertainment with reggae music that's played throughout the duration of the tour just to get everybody into the feel of things on the island. 
And it also takes you over to take some fabulous photographs of the Pilgrim's Terrace lookout, as well as um, the castle and also Megan's Bay. So definitely one to take advantage of for St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. And then for St. Martin, I would say that the Essential Collection Phillipsburg tour is one to take a look at for that one. Again, it's a short duration tour, so you can have that free time as a family in the afternoon. And it also takes you at a really low price to be able to see Orient Bay Beach and Maho Beach as well, with lots of photograph opportunities. So who doesn't want to stand on the beach and take photographs of aeroplanes you know, coming on over? So it's one of the best destinations to go to on the island. I love when people are standing there taking pictures of that big uh, KLM 747 as it's about to land <laughs> from Maho Beach into the airport there. Those, those planes get so close to you. I personally think it's an, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you do, especially if you're wearing prescription sunglasses, you can't <laughs> misjudge the distance of how they're coming yes. down. So, but it's an amazing day out, absolutely. Our next question comes from Anne. She says, I'm in search of reviews on Nassau excursions. What is your favorite? Is it better to just stay on the boat and enjoy a non-crowded day or head out and do a shore excursion? I think that's a personal decision for sort of every cruiser in some of many of the ports of call that you visit to. I mean, you don't want to, you know, miss anything for whilst you're in port, but then you also sometimes do want to not do everything so you're not too exhausted and you can have that quiet time, you know, on board whilst everybody else is often doing things. But definitely, um, sort of from my perspective, that Discover, Nassau Town and Atlantis is one that you shouldn't really miss for whilst in Nassau because it does take you over to Atlantis Everyone's heard about it. Not everybody gets the chance to go over and see the fantastic resort. So it's definitely worth taking a look to say that you've been there. And it also takes you over to Market Street and Gregory's Arch as well, to name but a few. So nice short day tour if you don't want to stay on board and it's something that you can't forget. So absolutely worth taking advantage of. Well, and it sounds like it's nice and short too where you could actually explore the island, get a taste of the island and also get back to the ship before everybody else does as well. Well, yeah, win-win situation. At the end of the day, some people do decide when they go to a certain port of call, you know what, I'm going to have a little bit of a relax today. And you can't really blame them because it's nice to roam around and uh, take advantage of a few cocktails whilst it's a little less busy. But Discover Nassau Town and Atlantis is a really, really sort of interesting tour to do. Next question is from Scott. He says, we're looking for a food tour in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Any recommendations? Absolutely. We've started to incorporate, actually, because it's not something that has gone unmissed. It's quite a new trend now to be sort of doing a food tour in many of the destinations. San Juan is one of them, and a lot of the Italian ports as well have started to have food-type tours introduced into the itinerary. So for sort of the ultimate dining experience for whilst in San Juan, you should take our old San Juan food tour and it allows you to indulge in all of the local foods, but also shows you all of the cultural traditions and architecture around the city whilst absorbing all of the different foods that we have. So you'll go over and you'll taste food at different monuments and also in the markets. And the guide will explain about how the close link is with, you know, the culture that someone has to offer and its food heritage. So it's a really interesting, very diverse, different type of tour to take. Yeah, food tours are awesome. I did one in Naples. I did a, actually it was a pizza and wine tour last month. And uh, yeah, I'm sold on those things. You just, you get back to the ship and just want to nap. <laughs> <laughs> At least I did. Disadvantage. 
whilst you go away and you're able to taste all these lovely different types of foods that you may not necessarily have tried before, you do end up having, you know, a little bit of a full tummy and a little <laughs> bit of sleep before the evening entertainment. The, the last question here, and it's actually a question I have, Shelley. So I didn't really notice this until recently. You guys have a low price guarantee on shore excursions. I know that everyone always says, oh, cruise excursions are so expensive uh, and all this stuff, but you have a low price guarantee. Why don't you explain to the audience about the low price guarantee you guys have at cruising excursions? Well, we've got two kind of ways to do that. Most of our prices, as you'll see anyway from the website and by calling the 24-hour call center, the prices that we offer, we aim to be as competitive as possible when comparing to onboard cruise excursions. So we generally fall very much you know, under the cap that you would get on board for any of the excursions. But We also offer a price match guarantee as well. So in the rare eventuality, and it is very rare, that someone should find a tour that's very similar to ourselves, going to the same places for the same duration of time elsewhere, we offer a guarantee where we will price match that tour and further discount it by 10% so that we can ensure that our prices do remain the most competitive and at the lowest price possible for our customers in the market. If you want to find out about any of these excursions we talked about or their low price guarantee at cruisingexcursions.com, just head to the show notes at Cruise. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.